This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I don't, yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is not a role I usually fill. This is a role Diva fills really well, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's way better at this than I am. I mean, today, you're stuck with me. By the way, 2022 will not be short on challenge. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Just just in the interest of full disclosure, I got a phone call yesterday about 4.15 from our lead pastor, Joel, saying my whole family's been exposed to COVID. We can't come to church. You're on. So there you go. And you're not only on, you're the MC. You're on. So um, I am so excited that I get to teach you this morning. And it was a fun evening, and it's been a fun early morning getting all of this ready and together. And we are, we're taking the wraps off a brand new teaching series called Heroes. And it's basically the study of a group of heroes <coughs> found in a book in the Bible called Daniel. And there are a number of fantastic heroes whose stories are captured in that book. And we're going to work our way through uh, the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. And the heroes in these chapters find themselves in overwhelming uh, circumstances and situations in which it seems like there's actually no way out. And we're going to watch them take that journey with God. And we're going to learn some things along the way. So now as we dive in, I'd like to start with a question. And the question is this, what's my posture as I look at 2022? What's the internal posture that I have? And it just occurred to me as I was looking at that in my own life, that there are a number of postures we could have. Some of us could have a posture where we're just resigned. Well, you know, whatever will be, will be. That's just how life is. We don't get to choose it. It gets dealt to us. And the best we can do is be resigned to it and grit our teeth and hang on. Another posture could be this. Well, we could wait for things to get better. I was just reflecting on a song written and performed by John Mayer in 2006. I have no stones to throw at the song or John Mayer. The song is a great song and John Mayer is a great songwriter. And even what the song says has a ton of truth in it. But I was, my mind was caught by the refrain that the chorus is built around. Me and my friends are waiting for the world to change. I think there might be some of that in all of us. That we're hoping things get better and we're assuming when they do, we will be able to thrive. But between now and then, we kind of have to wait for the world to change. And we're thinking, maybe, maybe the, the pandemic will go away in 2022. And somewhere in this year, we can actually begin to thrive again. Here's another possible posture we could have. 
My job is to limit the damage. It's going to be a tough year. And there's going to be a lot of things I want to do that I'm not going to be able to do. And there are going to be situations that I'm confronted with that I'm not going to like. And my best hope is to limit the damage to me internally, to me psychologically, to me spiritually, to my family, to my children, because my children are going to encounter things that I have always hoped that they would never encounter. And they're going to, they're going to encounter things that seem very unfair and that put them at a disadvantage. I had two grandchildren who graduated from high school in 2020. And they both said to me, Poppy, I'm so bummed. No prom, no graduation ceremony, no real way to say goodbye to my friends. We finished the year online and we got our diplomas mailed to us. No parent. No grandparent would ever wish that for their kid or grandkid. But it's a reality that we live with. So I could look at this and just say, you know, my job is to limit the damage. But I want to propose another posture that I think could be better than all three of those put together. And that is this, that I could find a way to thrive. Are you on board with that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's find a way to thrive in this coming year. And you know the great thing about heroes, there's no hero that the, the storyline goes like this. They were born, they faced no challenges, and they died of old age in their sleep. That's my hero. No, no, no. The fact that they are heroes means they faced some really significant challenges. And in the midst of the challenges, they found a way to thrive. I believe that's what God is calling us to in 2022. Let's thrive. You see, heroes are people who have found a way to thrive in the middle of challenging circumstances. So how does that happen? Well, I think of the words of one of my heroes. He's a great teacher, especially of leadership. His name is John Maxwell. And I sat in a seminar that he was teaching one day, and I'll never forget what he said. You'll see it on the video screen right now. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Wow. Now that's applicable in numbers of ways. It's why we encourage people to become a part of our small group ministry and and so forth and to develop friends inside the church and so forth. Because if you you want to go far, well, you go together. So what do heroes in going together mean? Well, here's the challenge of the day and here's the invitation of the day. As you and I take our journey through 2022, let's take some heroes with us. That, does that make sense? Yeah, let's bring them along for the ride. Because if you and I will expose ourselves 
in, in this open space that we have given to God and allow God to do it, he will bring some heroes into our lives. Some of them are living today and people that, you, that may be in this audience. And some of them are people who lived hundreds of years ago. But God wants their story to give shape to our story. And in that sense, if we want to go far, let's go together. Let's take some heroes on this ride. So let's start with a basic premise. All these guys that we're going to study through their story in the book of Daniel had a basic perspective on life that a fellow by the name of Paul articulated so well. And this is one of my life verses. And I, I want to read it out loud if, to, for us. We know that God is at work in every circumstance for the good of those who love him and have opted to live according to his purpose. Our heroes in these stories we're going to look at all believe that. That no matter how dire the circumstances, no matter how serious the challenge, that somewhere in there, God was at work already. And their job wasn't just to endure. Their job was to find where God was working and partner with him. And it was in partnering with him that they actually were able to thrive. So here's, here's what God would say to you. And that is that God's at work somewhere in this. Whatever you're in, you might be going through a, a terrible divorce. I hope you're not, but if you are, you know something? God knows. God cares. Your stuff is God's stuff. He cares about your stuff. I know that's not a very sophisticated term, is it? One of my favorite people in this whole world has an email address. I will not tell you their name, but I'll make up a name, okay? We'll say it's Bill. And their email address is Bill Stuff. That works. I was reflecting on that and I was thinking, even this morning, Ron's stuff is God's stuff. He makes it his stuff. And if I could go through life with that perspective and I could enter 2022 with that perspective that my stuff is God's stuff and God is already at work in it, I don't care what it is. So when I got the phone call last night, that, hey, I can't be there, you're on. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I mean, that stinks. I was going to watch the Rose Bowl last night. Literally, I'm sitting in my living room. I have my charcuterie board there, and it's all filled and ready to go. 
and, and I have my diet soda there, and it's all ready for me. And I literally just sat in my recliner. <laughs> and my cell phone rings, and it's Joel. And he goes, dude, you're on. You know what? If I understand that God is at work in every circumstance and he's already at work in this one, then what's my job? My job is to find out where he's working in this and to partner with him in it. And you know what I realized after my first sort of human response? You have to be kidding me. How many days of the year does the Rose Bowl happen on? One. And this has to come on this day? As soon as I filtered through that, then a reality hit. A dude, you already have it set to record. So for you, do you know how many days of the year the Rose Bowl could occur? 365 of them. Yeah, God's already at work. So what I want to talk about today over the next few minutes is the power to thrive. And it's the power of the stories of heroes on earth. Now, there's many ways that God can help us thrive, but one of them is the power of the stories of heroes. And for, for millennia, these stories were passed on by word of mouth. Um, they were, starting with Moses, written down a couple thousand years before Jesus, and they have been recorded uh, for us since, and we have the wonderful ability to read them that until, you know, the 16th century, virtually no one had the ability to read. 90-plus percent of the world was illiterate, and there were almost no books. But we live in a day and age where everyone can own a Bible. If you don't have one, we will give you one. Okay? We can read these stories, and we can be influenced by them. So I want to take us to a passage of Scripture that kind of this entire series is built on, and here it is on the screen. Everything that was written in the past. In the Bible, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament is everything that's written to people that live after Jesus came and lived and taught and died and was resurrected. That's the New Testament, and that's where we go to understand salvation and, and Christian teaching and all that stuff. So what's the purpose of the Old Testament? Well, here Paul in the New Testament tells us the purpose of the Old Testament. He says everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. There are four words, and I've highlighted them all, that are really important. If there's any teaching going on, you know what else should be going on? Learning. Correct? So they were written so that you and I could learn, so that they could teach us. He goes on to say, so that through the endurance, that there's an endurance factor here, and we're going to press into that statistically a little bit later. There's an endurance factor that comes into our lives when we study the stories of heroes. 
It ups our endurance factor. And then he goes on to say, and the encouragement. What's the root word in encouragement? Courage. We're going to talk about courage in a little bit. They provide so that we might have what? Hope. Isn't this amazing? If you and I will pack along some heroes, especially some Bible heroes, it will up our, it will up our learning factor. It will up our, our endurance factor. It will up our courage factor. And it will up our hope factor. Do those four sound pretty good? They're awesome. Yeah. That will help us thrive in 2022. Now take a look at this picture. We've all seen this, right? You know, you know the, the goose that I'm most interested in? The one that's out at the point of the V. And by the way, when geese fly, the head goose could be male or female. On board with that? Yeah, our heroes can be both. Now, the interesting thing about this is scientists have studied this formation. And, the, and do you realize that they have documented that when geese fly in this formation, remember a while ago I said, if you want to go far, go how? Together. When geese fly in this formation, they, in, they increase the scope of what they're, of the distance that they can fly by 71%. Wow. This ups their endurance factor. So what is it that that head goose actually imparts to the rest of them, not when they fly, but when we pack a hero in our pocket, what can that hero actually do for us? I want to give us three things, and they'll be short and brief, but they're super important. And the first one is this. We can borrow their... We can borrow their hope. Should be, we can borrow their faith. Gus, can you put us on the slide that says we can borrow their faith, please? There you go. We can borrow their faith. In other words, I want to live a life of faith. And if I want to increase my faith, I can pack along a hero or two, and I can actually borrow their faith and let them increase my faith. Because there's something internally within me, and I know it's within you, that goes like this. The same God who loved and empowered them also loves and will empower me. We all intuitively know that God does not play favorites in the human race. That Jesus died for everyone. And that Jesus loves all of us equally. So when I study the story of a Bible hero, there's something on the inside of me that says, if God did that in them and through them and for them, there's a good possibility he will do that in me and through me and for me. So what is it we're really looking for in this faith thing? I think primarily two things. And the first is perspective. People of faith live with this perspective, and I've already gone over it, and we're going to go over it again at the very end. God is at work. 
There's no circumstance in their life that God isn't at work in. And because they have that perspective, they are able to trust God in ways that other people don't. Wow, that can help me. I can be inspired by that. And the result of that kind of perspective is a thing we call courage. The heroes that we're going to study in this series face these impossible odds, and yet they face them with amazing courage. Do you think they got a crank and they just crank up their own courage? I don't think so. Their courage came out of their perspective of faith. And I want to borrow their faith whenever I can. And I want to hear in the back of my head, if God did that for Daniel, he will do that for you. If God did that for Shadrach, he will do that for you. I want to borrow their faith. There's a second thing that we could borrow from them. And it's something that you and I probably don't want to borrow. And that is we can borrow their mistakes. I put a quote up on the video screen directly from my mother. (laughs) And this is what she used to tell me, Ron. Learn from other people's mistakes. You can't afford to make them all yourself. There's a lot of wisdom in that, isn't there? Yes. And here's the thing I know about heroes in the Bible. Other than Jesus, every hero in the Bible was flawed. They all made mistakes. And I just have to tell you, I am really not on board with what we're currently doing to our heroes. Where when we find a flaw in their life, we suddenly write them off and they can't be heroes anymore. We're doing ourselves a disservice, not just to them, but ourselves. Until we learn to accept heroes and their mistakes, then our heroes don't become real heroes to us. They become fantasy figures for us. You see, Superman has no flaws. Wonder Woman has no flaws. They never mistreat people. They, they don't act in human ways. But the real heroes that can help us are the ones that are like us. And we can borrow their mistakes. What are we looking for when we want to borrow their mistakes? Well, primarily two things. Number one is to avoid their behavior. See, we have a tendency to think that my life is shaped by what I think and by my opinions, and by what I value. And while those things are all really important, I want us all to know that in the end, your life is shaped and my life is shaped not by what we think or believe or value. It's shaped by what we actually do. Monica and I stood before a pastor 50 years ago and we took some vows to love, honor, and cherish each other for as long as we lived. Okay? 
I could choose to internally say I love my wife. I could choose to say I'm going to hold her in an honored position in my heart. And I could choose to say I am going to cherish her in my heart. But by golly, she better pull her own weight in life. How's that going to go? I would not be telling you we are celebrating 50 years of, of, of wedding bliss today, right? Because in the end, it's not what I know. It's not what I believe. It's not what I value. My life is shaped by what I actually do. That's also true on the negative side. And one of the great things that heroes teach us is don't do that. I did that. That did not work. Yeah, that, was, that made a mess out of my life. So I can avoid their behavior, and then I can press a little bit deeper and say, you know what? All of our behavior is actually motivated by a thought process that put us in the place where we made that behavioral choice. So if I can dig into my hero's life and figure out What was it they allowed themselves to think that enabled them to make that behavioral choice that made a mess of their life? Then I can not only avoid their behavior, I can learn to think differently in those situations than they did. In that way, I can borrow their mistakes. There's a third thing. We can borrow their hope. Hope is such a great thing. The same God who was active, not passive, in their circumstances is also active, not passive, in mine. Yeah, remember a while ago I said, Ron's stuff is whose stuff? It's God's stuff. Yeah, God is active in my stuff. And that's a great thing. Because when I know God is active in my stuff, there's primarily two things that it brings about in my life. And that is, number one, it's an understanding that life is hard. Now, I don't say that pessimistically. I don't say that sadistically. Yesterday, I mean, we're in bowl season, right? When the coach sits down with the team and says, hey, team, guess what? We've been invited to play in the Rose Bowl. (laughs) They all cheer. And then he says, I have to tell you, the team we're going to play is really good. This is going to be hard. Do they all go, well, that's pessimistic. No, the fact that you're in a bowl game means you want to be challenged. You want to work hard to meet that challenge. And you recognize that you have the resources to actually be victorious in that challenge. And the first thing that heroes can teach us about our future and hope is the reality that life is hard. It's hard for every one of us. 2022 is going to have unseen challenges in it, that you and I know nothing about right now. I just was mentioning to somebody in our audience, when I said, how was your Christmas? They said, you know what? 
got together with family, and we're all safe. And I said to her, could you have imagined three years ago that we would say that? Oh, yeah, Christmas was great. Got together with family, and we're all safe. No, because our world was different then. Yeah. Well, at the end of 2022, it's going to be different than it is right now. And there will be challenges along the way. Some of us in this room are going to, in, we're going to encounter significant tragedy. I'm so sorry. I, I wish I could tell you, you know what? Life's going to be great. You're going to sail through 2022. There's not going to be a single challenge. Your wealth is going to double in the next year, and you're going to have no problems. But that's not life. Sort of on the bad news side, life is hard. It always has been. It always will be. But there's a second reality, and that is you and I can live with expectant endurance. Life doesn't have to be a white knuckle, grit your teeth, hang on to the bitter end experience. The men and women in Scripture who thrived and became heroes were men and women who lived not just with endurance, they lived with expectant endurance. They expected God to show up. They expected God to do what they couldn't do. They expected the outcome of any circumstance to have God's thumbprint in it. God wouldn't bring the circumstance into their life. Many of the circumstances that you and I deal with every day, I know we tend to blame God for them, but he didn't do it. That's not what he does. But you know what God does say? In spite of the fact you live in a broken world and you encounter these struggles all the time, I will be in it with you. I'm there. And these heroes lived with this expectant endurance, which is called hope. There's a verse toward the end of the New Testament that reads like this. <clears throat> you can find it in your Bible in the book of Hebrews. It says, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. And if you want to know who those witnesses are, you have to read the previous chapter. Because in that chapter, there's like 40 people who are Bible heroes that are all listed by name. And a little of the details of their stories are outlined there. And at the end of what is by many theologians called God's Hall of Faith, fame, that kind of thing. These are the famous faith heroes. The writer says, now since these are the people who are giving witness to our lives, he's saying, hey, take these heroes, put them in your pocket, and take them along in your journey of life because they have things to teach you and me. He goes... Here's what we should do. These are witnesses to the life of faith. 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with what? Endurance. I would say expectant endurance. The race God has set before us. I want to close with three realities and then we're going to go into a time of prayer and then into a time of communion. Here are the three realities. And you can bank bank on these. They're all true. The first is this. Life is hard, but. If that was the end of the story, it would be tough, right? If there was no but on the end of that, and, and the message was, yeah, life is hard, buck up. But that's not where the story is. That's a truth. Life is hard. Don't let that surprise you. Don't let that sneak up on you. Life is hard. But here's the second reality. God is at work. Yeah, life is hard. But God's already at work in there somewhere. Let's find where he's at work and let's get on board with that. Life is hard, but God is at work. (coughs) There's also an and, and I love the and. And here it is. God is at work and God is what? Greater. That's what makes it all work. You're never going to encounter anything in life that's bigger than God. Life's hard, yes. But God's at work and he's greater. There's nothing that you'll ever encounter that's greater than God. I want to lead us in prayer. And before I do that, I want to give us a little invitation. I I have no idea what you're going through (coughs) or what you're going to go through in 2022. You could be facing a very serious health threat. And before the end of this year, you could be lying in a hospital bed, teetering between life and death. I hope not. But it could happen. You might be in the midst of financial collapse. I know a family. They're actually close to me. And I found out what they had for Christmas is their daughter works at Starbucks. And for the prior week, she started saving the sandwiches they were going to throw away. And she put them in the freezer. And on Christmas Day, they thawed out those leftover Starbucks sandwiches. And they gathered around their table. And that was their Christmas dinner. That's hard. My goodness, that's hard. You could be facing the betrayal of a loved one. Someone that you counted as a close friend and somehow they got sideways with you and they walked out of your life and you never for a moment pictured your life without them. But here you are. I mean, that list is pretty endless. God would say to you, life is hard, but I'm at work.
and I'm greater. I don't know what you need to lay in front of him today. Remember that song, My Heart is an Open Space? There might be an area of your life where you need to reach up and flip on the open sign to God and say, God, my heart in this area is now open to you. And instead of being closed off, instead of being bitter, instead of blaming you for this thing I hate and I don't like, I'm going to choose to believe that you're already at work in it. And I just want to find where you're at work. So my heart's open. Let's pray. God, we've been here to learn and now we're here to do business. And we recognize that these heroes that will bless us start out by blessing us with this one perspective that life is hard, but you're at work already and you're greater. So right now, we lay before you these areas of our life and we intentionally flip the open switch and say, God, my heart is open to you. Show me where you're working. Invite me to partner with you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to close by reading a passage of Scripture and invite us into a time of communion. And the passage of Scripture is the one that comes right after the one I just read you out of the book of Hebrews. Remember the one that says, we're surrounded by this crowd of witnesses to this life of faith and that we can run with endurance this, this race that God has marked out for us. The writer says, so how do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the one, he's the champion who initiates, think of gives birth to, and perfects, think builds and continues to build our faith. And so this morning, we're going to celebrate with communion. And this is one of the ways in which we keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus took a loaf of bread, and he broke it. At the last meal, he shared with his 12 apostles. And he said, I want all of you to eat from it. And I want it to remind you of my body that is going to be brutalized and broken for you. They had no idea what the next 24 hours would hold, but Jesus knew. And as they stood at the foot of the cross, with Jesus bleeding from countless wounds and his body and his skin punctured and broken in hundreds, yes, even thousands of places. They realized, oh, that's what he meant. And then he took a cup and the cup had some either grape juice or wine, we don't know which for sure. And he said, 
I want all of you to drink from this because when you do and you look at this, I want you to be reminded of my blood. And they would find out in less than 24 hours, again, as they stood at the foot of the cross, and from these thousands of puncture wounds in Jesus' body, he began to bleed out in front of them. And the message that Jesus gave over and over is this is for you. I'm doing this to forgive your sins. I'm doing this to save you. I'm doing this to show you how much I'm for you. I am so for you, I will gladly give up my life to save yours. There are still bumper stickers that we see once in a while that say 9-11, we will never what? Forget. 2,000 years after Jesus died, there's sort of a bumper sticker on the heart of every Christian. And you know what it says? It says, the cross we will never forget. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.